0: Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 16 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by NASCAR team owner and driver, B.J. McLeod, as we'll talk about his career, all that he's done in the sport, and also we'll get to know him a bit and have a great conversation with B.J. when he joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. And as always, David Starr is here with us. David, appreciate the time. Tell us about this uh, past weekend at Phoenix as you finished up the West Coast Swing.
1: Man, Phoenix was awesome. You know, uh, we had a great race. We had our uh, number 61 Waterburger Toyota Supra. Uh, man, Phoenix has always been a great track for us, and uh, it was a great race. I think we started 30th. I don't remember where it was, but it was pretty uh, back in the field, and uh, man, you know, they put the traction down, I forget what they PJ1 or whatever that black stuff is that gives the race cars grip, and uh, and man, last time we ran there back in November, man, it was unbelievable, it was awesome, and this time it was just as awesome, but it almost made the Phoenix Raceway a one-lane racetrack, and it was, uh, you know, uh, I had a good car and, and was making some ground, and and uh, we picked off probably 11, 12 cars, but it was hard to pass, and my race car could get in the corner good, and it would rotate in the center good, but, you know, and you could turn underneath somebody. But, man, if you didn't complete the pass, you could get freight train. What I meant by uh, if you could turn underneath somebody, they were on the high side, and you could turn underneath them. If you didn't get back up into the high lane, I mean, uh, man, you would get freight train. It was very challenging, and you really had to have a lot of patience for the Xfinity race. Uh, but man, what a great race. There was a lot of, uh, beating and banging, but it was almost like it was a one lane racetrack. And only time I thought I could pass in the middle or down low was on the restarts, but man, as soon as I could get up to the high side, that's what you needed to do. And I think we made it all the way up to 19th or 20th and, uh, we pitted on a strategy towards the end, but on some new tires. Unfortunately, we lost a bow spring, lost a cylinder and, uh, kind of ended our day I was really surprised when they said hey you finished 28th I said how's that possible 28th I ran 30 laps on seven cylinders just trying to stand everybody's way but uh but man that's just racing sometimes that happens it was a great race you know I I could see what what was going on with the leaders and as they came by me because I was on seven cylinders but uh it was a great race up until the point we lost a cylinder but uh, uh the fortunate thing was able to finish and uh it was a great race and uh, same thing as the cup race i thought sunday's cup race was good as well
0: and we'll talk about the cup race later on dominic oregon from the racingexperts.com is here dominic you made the trip out to phoenix you ha- you shared some waffle house with david tell us about your experience there at uh, the uh, phoenix international raceway
2: Well, as we all know, any day at the racetrack's a great day, so great to see a lot of people you hadn't seen since last year, get to catch up with David and a lot of the guys that you've worked with over the years, so great weekend covering it for the racing experts and for ESPN Radio Albuquerque, as always, so had a lot of fun out there, and, man, looking forward to going to the next one. Not quite sure when that next one is, but hopefully it's just down the road, not too far away.
0: Yeah, that's great. And, uh, David, one more thing, just looking back on that race, it was – Austin Cindric, who pulled into victory lane, that guy, he, he's something special, isn't he? I mean, the, the run that he's been on the last couple
1: of years now, I mean, he's certainly
0: the guy to beat this season in the Xfinity Series.
1: Well, no doubt about it. I mean, just, you know, he just has so much talent. Uh, you know, we've been watching him race ever since he made it to NASCAR, and it's just, you know, every week you're impressed by him. And And build a drive for Roger Penske and drive that '40s driving. I mean, that's just a great combination. I don't know exactly who his crew chief is, but you know, having that much talent, he gets better every week. And driving for Roger Penske, I mean, you know, in his, uh, you know, I I look for him to be a future future star in our at the Cup level. You know, obviously, he's a star in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, winning all these races and. uh, you know, he'll be a championship contender this year in the Xfinity series and uh and you'll see him racing in the Cup Series, I'm sure, soon. Uh just a lot of talent and you we see that week in and week out.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, he's something special. All right, David, introduce us to our next guest, BJ McLeod, as he makes his debut on the show.
1: Man, BJ, uh man, what an what a honor it is to have you on our on our on our podcast, buddy. We uh I know it's kind of a last minute, but man, fans B.J. McLeod, just a man, just one hell of a race car driver. Just, uh, you know, I I'm, I'm, I'm can't wait to ask him questions to see how he made it to NASCAR. I mean, you know, just to make it to that level of B.J. racing on the cup side. But, man, I've been racing with this guy for years. And he's so good. And, man, I don't care what kind of car you put him. You can put him in an underfunded car and he gets everything out of the race car. So uh, it's pretty cool to have you on our podcast, B.J. and And, uh, and welcome, man. You doing okay?
3: Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. I, I don't know about all man, all that, man, you guys, uh, he definitely built me up there, David, but I uh, appreciate all the kind words and respect the opinion and, and just, uh, you know, always trying to work and get better, man. I, I, have watched you for a long time and I mean, I've been here 10 years. You've been here 2022. 20, so it's uh we've been doing this a long time. So it's uh we definitely have a lot in common. We were talking about a truck race at Martinsville the other day, we met David and I were at the track. We were talking about uh, my first race, was actually uh in at martinsville in uh, october of 10 and and david was in that race and i mean we've we've raced pretty hard at times i mean we've had some some battles in xfinity for that that mid-pack area and david's always he'll drive you clean he's just hard to race I and mean, he's definitely a, he's definitely one of those that you know it didn't it playing around like he uh he definitely tries hard and and he just we we try to win our race you know there's there's lots of races going on out there most people focus on the first one, but it's uh, i can tell you through that field, there's some hard racing for 20th, 15th, 10th, 25th. It doesn't matter. There's, there's a lot going on and I've been in all those areas and, you know, hopefully one day working to get to that top 10, but it, uh, it just is what it is. We'll keep digging and do the best we can.
1: You know, BJ brings up a, a, a good point there. You know, we were talking about it not that long ago, you know, You know, B.J. McLeod, you know, you look at all the people we race with in the Xfinity series to make it to the NASCAR truck series, Xfinity cup level like B.J.'s competing in week in and week out now. I mean, everybody's a champion. Everybody's good, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I look at Jeff Gordon, you look at, you know, Clint Boyer and, you know, just all the guys that are running and winning races today. You could put B.J. McLeod in the 24-cup car, the 88-cup car, or Brad Kozlowski's car, and B.J. would get the job done, just like those guys are, you know. I mean, he didn't make it to NASCAR just just because, you know, he's not good. He's very good. He's he's very talented. But, you know, it all comes down to having the funding behind you. You know, if B.J. had – on the cup side, if he had thirty million dollars on the Xfinity side, if BJ had ten million, he'd he'd be doing you know what we see Austin Centric doing. You know what I mean? So BJ's that good. It just comes down to money, and I and I love hearing what BJ's telling you guys. And we talk about this a lot. There's so many races going on within a race. You know, I always say, I man, when we're racing for fifteenth or twentieth or twenty-first or eighteenth. I mean that kind of racing. It's unbelievable how good it is. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, so, it is. Uh, it's extremely good. B- yeah. So B.J. What man? Uh, how, how did B.J. McLeod come NASCAR driver? B.J. McLeod. I mean, when you were a kid growing up in Florida, I mean, were you? Was your dad a race car driver? Was your grandfather? I mean, how how did you even? How did all that happen, man? Can you share it's that funny. with us?
3: I absolutely can. I'm glad to. We, uh, we actually had this conversation, my dad and I, the last time I was in Florida, ironically, right there uh, around the Daytona races. Um, we were just talking, you know, just, you know, thinking about things we've done and, and all the stuff that my parents did to, to get me the experience and the seat time to be able to do what I do now. And we were talking about the fact that, you know, he was a drag racer. Actually, he was a street racer. He was born in 45 and he actually raced on the streets, you know, when he was 16, 17, 20, 25. And I mean, he had, he had some awesome drag cars and done some crazy stuff surprised he's still alive. But the uh, you know, the biggest part was the drag racing side. when I was born in 83 was switching to more of a bracket style, you know, competition. Like there was not like the lower levels were, were switching a lot to brackets and, my dad simply liked first one to the line wins. So when I was born and he wanted to put his focus into me, he didn't want to put me in drag racing and try to figure out how to have breakout. And, you know, if I was two tenths behind at the start of the finish line, I could win. He didn't want to figure all that out. So he actually uh, started me on ovals because of that. On that, so Actually, he started on me on dirt ovals. And uh, that's the whole reason. I'm not a drag racer because he, I'm sure he would have taught me and, and sent me that direction and I would have known no difference. So I'd have been excited to do that. So it, uh, it's pretty ironic that that it all went down the way it did because, you know, when I was born, he put his focus into me and my mom supported him a hundred percent, always a family effort, family affair. Like we were, we were always at the weekend, you know, the races together and, and he just, they, they together, you know, they had me on a gas-powered four-wheeler at two and a half years old, David. That's my first green flag. Wow. I've got a picture of it. My wife wow. actually framed the suit and put it in the shop. They're going to put it on social media here for too long. But, it, um, you know, it's crazy for me to look at that. And I actually remember holding that trophy for my first win before I was three years old. So uh, it started on a you know, dirt flat track with ATV. Then at uh, age five, I switched over to go-karts and uh, ran asphalt ovals the whole time, all the way to age 12. Then I was, you know, Jeff Gordon had come along out of sprint cars at uh, around age 13 is when he started, you know, really, really getting on and everything. And and my dad, when I turned 13, he wanted to switch me over to super late models. And nobody was having that. Like, they, they just couldn't fathom a 13-year-old racing a super late model. So had to go through a bunch of uh, practice sessions and things, you know, somewhat similar to the approval process now for NASCAR, I had to do that for super lates because I was so young and and uh him and my mom went through it you know we went and did tests and different things and and practiced in front of track owners and stuff like that and he actually got me approved to run super lates at 13 and and I actually won it was ironic enough it was friday the 13th and it was my 13th race that i won my first race and i was 13 years old so i always thought 13 was lucky after that
1: hey man you bj you wasn't in car 13 were you
3: (laughs) no i wasn't
1: no i always ran 78 so
3: that uh it was kind of cool that you know i got my first win at 13 years old and then you know to back up what you were saying earlier how you feel like you know if we were given equal opportunity with money and stuff that and rides and things that, that we could perform somewhat similar to the guys that are there. And, and I believe I can, right? But I don't want to say that publicly because you need proof. You know, like you need to, you need, we need to do it, right? Like that's just the way I Absolutely. look at it. So if you go back to why would I think that for myself that, that I may be capable of that, and it's the fact that I won a super late model race at 13. Then I won 22 of them the year I was 14. I finished top three 52 times in two years. I won over hundred super late model races over a 13 year period with 22 championships, including the world series, which is one of the hardest things you can win in a super late model. So, you know, we, and actually, it's the people you race against too. You know, they're all hardcore racers. They're all, they're all just, they, I mean, it's hard to make a living at that level. And these guys are doing this, and every spare minute of their life, they're they're spending it getting these cars ready. And there there's nothing easy about winning a super late model race. Like I I actually just started a super late model team back, and I'm going to go race you know a couple times this year, and and probably more next year. And you know we're we're going down there, and and we might get lapped at a super late race. Like I mean that's how hard this stuff is now. So yeah. you know you never know. We might go win. We might we might run tenth, but. The biggest thing is, you know, my parents got me the backing and the the experience at the local levels, which I was very fortunate at. I wish I had gotten to NASCAR at a younger age, but I also like the fact that I have as much experience with business and and with life and and just honestly driving that I did when I made it to NASCAR. Because yeah, you know, my age and getting here at the level at the at the time I did has you know stopped me from being a superstar, and, and it'll be you know, almost impossible to ever be, you know, a multi-race winner, but I'm still dreaming of winning one Xfinity race, you know, and I'm still dreaming of a Michael McDowell situation at Daytona 500. Like, you know, I, I actually drafted with Michael for 12 or 14, 15 laps that race. So, I mean, it's, it's possible to be in that spot. And I'm not saying that we could ever win one, but I'm not saying we can't. I'm damn sure going to dream for it.
0: <laughs> so let me ask you, BJ, you mentioned uh, Jeff Gordon, uh, as you were growing up, was, was he your, your, your hero, your favorite driver? I know David's was uh, A.J. Was Foyt. He talks about A.J. Foyt. Was Jeff Gordon that for you?
3: So NASCAR was Richard Petty first. Um, I was a Richard Petty fan, like, before I, you know, I, I knew that I would ever even have a chance to drive a stock car. Mm-hmm. And then, for some reason, I, you know, it was, you gotta, that, in that area, you got to pick between uh, Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Singer. And it's weird that I went with Gordon, honestly, because I like the black cars. I love, you know, like Earnhardt's attitude and, and the way he approached the racetrack. But it also was just, I just felt more in line with what Gordon was doing. And and I wanted, I seen his success and the way he was living his life and and making something. And, and he was doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing just like I was at a lower level. So you know, to me, I, I felt like I had more in common with him at that time. And, and I definitely was a 100% Jeff Gordon fan
1: all the way, you know, till the early 2000s. Amazing, VJ. What's, what's cool, man? What's What I love is just, man, I had no idea that you're freaking racing go-karts. I mean, you started at three years old. You're racing go-karts at five, winning go-kart races. And man, you that's amazing how young you were when you started, you know what I mean? And, uh, well,
3: I owe, that. I owe that to my parents. They, uh, they, they, you know, I, So I always appreciated my parents, love them to death, always will. Um, always knew they did a lot for me, but the older I get, the more I realize what kind of effort they did put in. I mean, this is – you're talking about my – my mom and dad would have me in a race on a Friday night, then take me across the state and race me on Saturday take me another place in the state and run Sunday or to another state and race on Sunday. And then have me back at school, you know, like it, it was just the effort they put in was, was, you know, unparalleled in my opinion and, and um, just very fortunate to have been in that situation. And, and even though they couldn't help me a lot, like after age 16, 17 it's still what they, what they instilled in me at a young age and, and the seat time they got me, made it to where, Yes, maybe maybe I need seat time on a mile and a half. Maybe I need I need seat time on a super speedway. You know how this goes. But yeah. no matter what, if it had four wheels, I could get in it and go at least almost as fast as the next guy. Like maybe not perfect, but right. I was close enough to it to to make something happen. So man, you know, that's I, that's the part we appreciate.
1: Just hearing you talk, man. I, I know your mom and dad are just super proud. I mean, what a what an <laughs> honor that is to be to be able to have your parents. I mean how committed they were, and and just to be able to run on Friday night, Saturday night, and then race again Sunday, and then have them drive probably six, seven, eight, ten hours to get you back home to make sure you were in school on Monday morning right. is just unbelievable, and, uh, man, that, that's that's incredible, man. What a blessing that is, and to have that relationship. But a lot of people don't realize – That what racing does for people, you know, a lot of times I I talk to some of these kids that are racing and one of the biggest things a mom or the dad would tell me, it's like, man, we're, we're, we're working the shop together on the race car or the go karts and we're traveling together, race together and that nucleus of a family. There's a lot of love there. And then the kid is getting a lot of experience and man, you, you have uh, obviously lived that and enjoyed that. And look what you became, man. I mean, without your parents doing that for you and the experience that you had that they gave you, I mean, hell, you're winning freaking late model, super late model races at 13 years old. I mean, that's unheard of, even today. Really? Even today. You hear about it a little bit here and there, but that's still – that's unheard of, man. I mean, and like you were saying, BJ, to win a super late model anywhere in the country, especially Florida, I mean – All the hot shoes and all the talent that race for a living. And when you're talking about racing super late models, these guys do this two, three, maybe sometimes four nights a week. And they're professionals, even though it might be a super late model, a local thing. These guys are good. And like you were saying, BJ, it's like, man, we're going to go. You're going to be running a super late model race. And hell, I mean, you're talking about BJ McLeod, NASCAR Cup Series driver. And you're gonna step into a super late model like you said, you might get laughed. That just shows how good those guys are. But man, hats off to you. And man, thank God for your parents. Look where you are today, man. You I mean, obviously you gotta be proud of yourself. And I know your parents are super, super proud because their commitment and what they did for you paid off, that's for sure.
3: Well, that's what I I never think about it for myself, but I definitely you know told my parents I, t- I told my dad sunday night thank you for everything you guys did for me earlier in my life and just you know i tell them that probably once every five or six races i just remind them that i wouldn't be there without what they had put into me at a younger age and and let them you know because unfortunately right now they can't come to the track so they're sitting right. in and and I just want them to know that they're there with me. Like, Absolutely. I, I know way, shape, or form would have been anything without the effort they put in. And, and my wife, and, you know, it's the same thing with her. She's been with me. Monday, I'll be 18 years with her. Like, wow. I'm there. I'm just turned 37. So, half my life. And, and I can tell you right now, I wouldn't be here without her either. Like, it's, Absolutely. I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by family that pushed me. And when I said I thought I could do something, she didn't say maybe. She said, no, you can do it. She's, she was always pushing me and always trying to help us jump out and do stuff that was crazy and that we probably shouldn't have done. But it definitely uh, definitely paid off and very thankful for, uh, you know, all the, all the great people I've been surrounded by to help make this happen.
2: So, BJ, for you, at what point did you realize or know that, you know what, I'm going to be making it to NASCAR. That's the next step that I need to take. And, and what did that journey look like?
3: To be honest with you, I still don't feel like I've made it to NASCAR. So I'm, uh, I'm 10 years in. I'm 260-some starts in. I am uh, I own three Xfinity teams, part of a Cup team, part of a Cup charter. I run Cup almost full-time, and uh, I still don't feel like I'm in NASCAR. So I think take, it's just a part. Of,
1: <laughs> let us inform you, dude. You have made it. You have <laughs> yeah. made it. And I've raced with you. And dude, you're damn good. I mean, again, you don't get to the level you're racing at. Uh, I mean, you don't you don't make it to NASCAR, and you definitely don't make it to the level Sunday afternoon racing in the Cup side. If you're not any good, dude, you man the the your ability, your talent, and the race car driver you have became, dude. You're you're awesome, and and uh, it's pretty cool to see. I, I'm proud of you. Uh, well, I greatly I we...
3: appreciate that, David. And I just want to work hard to to prove that I belong there. And I've got a lot of years left to to get better and, and make things happen. And I uh, I'm just looking forward to trying to do that. But you know, to answer your question best I could, I never I never looked at it as you know making it. I just always looked at it like how do I get there and how do I stay there. And you know that was that was you know, basically at 26 years old, I'd won the world series and I was taking pictures on the front stretch. And it was something I I tried to win my whole life, you know, at least, you know, since I was 13 mm-hmm. and, uh, that I'd finished second three or four times in the points, just really hard deal to win. And, um, I won it and I was on the front stretch and I was like, I can't feed my family. I can't do this forever unless I find money to do it. And I was like, at that point is when I decided that. I was going to make it a NASCAR or I was going to, you know, be doing something else. So, you know, that's when we took off. My wife supported me and we, you know, went to North Carolina and worked for free for 10 months in Jermaine racing and just did a bunch of cool, crazy stuff that got me a lot of good relationships. to the Hillman family and and the Jermaine Pelt family was good to me and just got me, just got me going. Chris Long, he was the one that owned my super late model at that time. He told me, he's like, man, if you don't dream, you're never gonna get there. He's like, you you can't have the attitude a lot of people have and and think it's not possible or it's not gonna happen. He's like, What's the worst that happens? You don't make it. He's like it if you have it in you to try just try and he was the one that told me that and like I said luckily enough I got I got you know just put in the right spot with with the Jermaine family and then Hellman family and and they they really you know tutored me correctly and and helped me and did stuff for me and got me pointed in the right direction and I had a business sense already and uh, it was pretty honestly that part was pretty simple for me to put together with my wife to to figure out a plan to be able to sustain a business and, and stay here. And, and then at the same time work parallel on a, on a driving career, you know, through the, through the years. So that's i uh, I'd say 2010 was the point where it switched and I was going to go to NASCAR whether I made it or not was the question, but we were going to at least try once. And I guess uh, three Daytona 500s later, we're still, we're still going. So I'm thankful.
1: <laughs> well, dude, that's, that's so awesome. But man, you know, you're, you're, I mean, you really get, when somebody says BJ McLeod, I think of BJ McLeod, you know, I think the business side of it, you know, what what you and your wife have built together, you know, the race car driver is there, talented, can get the job done. I mean, you're a hell of a race car driver. The business side of BJ McLeod, I mean, it's amazing, dude. What, What you have done in our sport as a team owner and a driver, I mean, that's so unique. You know what I mean? There's not a lot. What you do, BJ, and what you and your wife have built, you don't see that a lot, man. You know what I'm saying? That's a very special thing. And, uh, and man, you know, and you're sharing some stories with us. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, you all moved to North Carolina or visit North Carolina. You were there for 10 months. And, man, you were sweeping floors and wiping cars down and doing whatever you needed to do to, you know. And uh, I don't think, you know – I don't think it's luck. I think with talent, perseverance, the passion and desire and the dream, and then your ability as a race car driver, you created opportunities and what you're just telling us and look where it got you. We got to dream big, but man, you got to have passion. You got to have desire. You got to have heart and you had it all, man. And you have made it. So it's pretty cool to hear you share those stories and going back to so you actually worked for Jermaine's in the Hillman family for eight, nine, 10 months for free, just learning the business, learning the racing. Yeah. That I
3: mean, I, we had been, you know, my wife and I, we started venturing out and, and doing business when I was 19, she was 22. And, and, you know, obviously this is, you know, 2010. So seven or eight years later, roughly. And, you know, I, I knew I wanted to make it in the NASCAR world. And I, you know, I knew every part of racing, my parents, they, they had me build my own race cars. I had, I mean, I, the only thing I was never any good at was fabricating. I, I really, that is an art I never could figure out, but yeah. you know, short of making a fender brace or something, I was in bad shape when it come to fabricating. But you know, as far as I built my first motor with my dad before I was 10 years old, I built people, I'd, wow. I'd built a full super late on my own minus getting the body hung by 14 years old. So I knew how to work on stuff. I knew all of that. And not all of that. I knew enough to, to be good at it, but you know, it was the way I, the way I've always done everything is if I'm going to go do something that I'm not a hundred percent about, and I don't know every aspect of it. I try to go work with people that are successful and are champions. And, and that was Jermaine racing and the Hillman family. They were dominating trucks at that point. And uh, you know, we, I had fortunately enough, I was a driver coach for 10 or 12 years and they invited me to driver coach Zach Jermaine in the K N series. And, at the same time we thought, you know, what, if we're going to run a truck race, we're going to support these guys. So, you know, that's when I went and seen Mike Hillman senior. We made a deal on the truck. The Germains approved it. And I went and built my own truck and worked in their shop for free. So it was, you know, it was a deal where I worked on the 30 truck that year that ended up winning the championship. I and um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually got the spot for him at Nashville when we won there in 2010. Wow. That's amazing. That's man. Cool. But, you know, it was, uh, It was, you know, I got to put the rear ends in, put the motors in, but, you know, did everything. I stripped the trucks, put them back together. I did whatever they'd let me do. And um, it was a very eye-opening 10 months. And, And most importantly, I knew I needed to make relationships. And I was able to make relationships with, you know, Mike Hillman Jr., Mark Hillman, Mike Hillman Sr., Rudy Fugel. Uh, Tom Ackerman there was just a lot of people there at that point Mike Abner more and there's more than this there's more Um, Booty Barker was really cool to hang out with like you know they all seen me there and seen me working and they seen how bad I wanted it and it was you know by the by halfway through that deal I didn't have to try too hard to get help they they all wanted to wanted to help me and wanted to see me try to succeed and and I'm still you know I went and I I still talk to senior every weekend, you know, like I talk to junior when I see him, Rudy, when I see him, like, you know, it's still, these relationships are over a decade old now, and I have friends in very good places, and and it definitely helps out,
2: so (laughs) we, uh,
3: it was really those 10 months that, that gave me the boost I needed to be able to get to the point to work to where I'm at now, and, and I'm just really, uh, really thankful that, Things worked out the way it did in that in that situation, and and got me you know got me headed the right direction.
0: Absolutely. So what'd you do to so make ends up. meet at that time while you were working for free?
3: Well, fortunately enough, you know we like I said, my wife and I started doing a business when I was nineteen; she was twenty-two. And then, like I said, I guess that'd be oh three four, so roughly six, seven years into kind of doing our own thing, and and we had made enough money that we had assets, and and we had. We had cash to to live off at that point, and you know it was uh we couldn't have lasted a long time, but we had that business that that, that goal in mind of owning a team and, and me trying to drive and make it driving and we knew we had a certain amount of time that we could focus on that and not you know work on other businesses and stuff and it was uh it was just a good time to make the jump and take take a chance and if not. Her and I, we, we, you know, we're definitely entrepreneurs. We, we would, we have some kind of living. We, we may not be rich, but we definitely uh, have some kind of living. You know, we, we just decided to do stuff together and and we always figure it out. So it, um you know, definitely was, was a point there where we said, we're going to go after this and she supported me and, and we went for it. And fortunately enough, it worked out. We, we, you know, to finish answering your question, we started driver development with the super late model program because I just won the world series. Right. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, you know, I've been instructor for over 12 years at finish line racing school. And, uh, you know, we, we had Matt Tift and Scott Hecker right off the bat and wow. I was training them and teaching them through 2011. And it allowed me to, to keep focusing on getting smarter with the NASCAR stuff and, you know, keep making my relationships and build my networks there. And, and, uh, that whole deal just started working hand in hand. And then the driver development business took off and, we just had a blast helping Matt Scott, some other kids, and yeah. it just worked out really
0: well. Well, you, you mentioned uh, your wife and just how much she supported you. What did that mean for you to have somebody that, that stood by your side like that, uh, that, that believed in what you were doing your, in, in the process and such, uh, to have your wife uh, alongside for, for that journey? Well, it's invaluable really. I
3: mean, you can't, you, you can't realize how important it was until you get a little bit further along. And and during the time I was wondering, she always, she never hesitated. I'm telling you every time, cause we borrowed money to do stuff we did. Like it wasn't like we, we had everything covered. I mean, we, we took chances that we might work a lifetime to pay back if, if things didn't work out. And you know, it was she, the whole time she was confident and said, yes, you got it. Just do it. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. And then I, I get by myself and I'd be like, is she right? Is she just being nice? like, like, I didn't know. I didn't know. I know she's very intelligent. Right. And she's, she's calculated risk taker. So I knew that she had to think the chances were good, but you know, I'm then, I'm the one over here. Like, yeah, I told her it'll work. Now I'm wondering if it will. So <laughs> anyway, she, uh, it, to answer the question exactly unvaluable, like you just can't, you just can't put a value on how, that was because this is our lives. It's not a joke. Like, I mean, this is something that we took a, we took a leap and if it didn't work out, right, we were going to have a different life and it was going to be extremely hard for a while. And, you know, we, to have her in my corner, that's why I say I couldn't have done it without her because if I would had the wrong person in my corner, questioning me or pulling back on me or saying well we don't need to take this chance I don't know if I could have still done it on my own and I know I wouldn't have done it as well if I was on my own there's no doubt so having her to do that was was really big and and the further we get you know when we when we signed the charter deal for the cup series and David knows we're in Xfinity and it's like you know every year you go to Daytona and you hope you make it you know you hope you hope that the first three or four races go right. We've lived this, I've lived it five years. He's lived at 15. You know, it's like, you're always wondering. And when we signed the charter deal, it gave us a little bit, even though I still don't ever let myself get complacent. I never will. It still gave us that one ounce of, well, at least we know we're making the Daytona 500, you know, like, that's not a question. 2021 Daytona 500, we're in it. And that was, the point where I looked back for 15 minutes and said, you know what? She told me this. She's like, you need to enjoy at least for an hour. What we've done because she knows I don't, I, I'm always going forward. I'm always prepping and I'm always, you know, looking at what I need to do to be better. And she told me, she, she said, you need to stop for an hour and say, this is what we've done. You know? And it like, that was the point when I realized how important she had been the whole time on giving me support. She's incredibly intelligent with all the business side of of this business, The, the office side and paperwork and, you know, everything we have to take care of. She's, she's got that covered, but it was the most important part to me was her having my back and, and, you know, the, the nights you're at home and you're emptying your stomach or, you know, got butterflies in your stomach because you don't know if you're going to be able to make something work, she was the one that calmed me down and made me feel good. So it was, you know, she always told me, we're going to make this happen. You've got this. Let's just watch TV. And I'm like, all
1: right, so here we go.
3: <laughs> man, that's that,
1: it's so real, man. It's amazing to hear hear you speak about all that, uh, BJ. It's, uh, I mean, I, I love it. Just the confidence that your wife your life partner has in you and just you know that love and that that nucleus you know she I mean she knows who you are and what you're made of and your ability and uh, man she it's it's cool to hear that she never she knew right away let's do it it was all going to work out you know she had the confidence in you and uh, and knew the faith that was all going to work out so but it's it's kind of cool to hear the stories behind the scenes. what you're really thinking, even though, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, when you're borrowing money and doing all this other stuff, you're like, man, am I doing the right thing? But, uh, but man, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just cool. I mean, you're just a, a, a super awesome race car driver, but it's really cool to own three Xfinity cars. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, you raced trucks for a long time, then you transitioned over to the Xfinity series and, and did a great job. And the next thing you know, I mean, the B.J. McLeod enter- enterprises, your motorsports, your racing team just kind of grew quickly, you know. And it's amazing that, that these race car drivers from around the country, I mean, I'm always interesting every off offseason to think, man, who's going to be driving for B.J. McLeod? You know, your, your team is a wanted commodity. When I say a wanted commodity, people want to come drive for B.J. McLeod on the Xfinity side. I mean, you got fast race cars. I uh, listened to you talk earlier about, you know, how you learn the business and making relationships and, you know, how you under, understand every aspect of, of the race cars. But, uh, I mean, you put some really great people around you, too, to build a hell of a, you and your wife have built a great organization, you know. And not only do y'all own a three NASCAR Xfinity teams, hell, you own a, you own a NASCAR – cup series team i mean that's that i mean that's amazing i mean that's what's so don't worry sp- david i don't I, believe it either i mean that's <laughs> amazing i mean i mean i mean hell i, th- I just think owning an Xfinity team is something i mean it's people don't realize how hard that is and what what's entailed and you know all the employees and just the logistics and all the race cars y'all have and oh I'm, i mean it, and to have a cup team as well and a charter, dude, that's, man, amazing, man. Amazing. Yeah, well, and to add to
0: that, too, what, what David's saying, I mean, you guys have this technical alliance going with Stuart Haas, Matt Tiff's involved here. Tell us about what's going on with Live Fast Motorsports in a year one and what you guys are building over there. Well, we're, we're
3: actually coming off our best race so far, in my opinion. We had a 23rd place finish at uh, – daytona but you know we actually had a fuel fuel pressure issue that was causing us to pit uh eight gallons early so i was i pitted that last uh i don't know 80 or 90 laps probably 10 times and it just killed our killed her finish but you know we had the 23rd there should have been easy at to top 15 we had a really fast car um moving to phoenix you know we had some good speed and, and we're still trying to figure out because, you know, we have our budget, our budget set. We know what we think we need to spend. We know what we can afford to spend and that's all we have. So if we roll out and we're in trouble, you know, it's, we're going to have to work on stuff other than finding more money right now because it's just our budget set for, for this, this part of the year. And, you know, it was nice to go to Phoenix and fire off and, and have some, some good cars around us and, you know, have uh beat i mean we were two and a half tenths or less off the leader you know for a good amount of the race and and and, you know it's a mile so the the gap's a little bit closer but you know we we were in the 30th position but if you look at some of the lap times you really you have less than four tenths all the way to 35th you know like it it's crazy how tight that field is and you know we we just had good long run speed we had good fire off speed I had a gap from like lap three to like lap seven that I was struggling a little bit as a driver car was just traveling a touch too much and rubbing a little bit on the splitter. So I'd lose a little bit of track position and uh time on the track to that. It was hard to overcome, but you know, just, we we have the budget now I know to to run around that twenty-eighth spot when things are perfect. We have an awesome pit crew, a Stuart Haas pit crew, and they were getting us three, four spots every time we come down pit road. I mean wow. it was just phenomenal. And yeah, the whole program over there, you know, it's just been just been awesome to see it start out this fast, in my opinion, this well. I know 30th it and what, you know, the regular regular person that watched NASCAR gets a excited about, but I know this is race five for us in history. Okay. Like it's, it's not our fifth year, our 10th year, our 20th year, our 30th, 40th or 50th. This is literally race five. And we are a 30th place car, you know, like there's, there's no question now. And we're going to work each week to try to be better. And and we're going to get some better finishes than that before the year's over for sure. And uh, it's just nice to see that we have the, I know now because I know the business that we have the budget to hopefully race around that 28th mark with, without any attrition and, um, for hopefully get some breaks, go our way and, and get some top twenties before the year's over. That's, that's the goal right now.
2: And real quick, BJ um, too, you run the 78 car in the cup series. You guys have the charter, you have your team. Do you ever pinch yourself? Cause you are racing the number that you grew <laughs> up racing in here at NASCAR. <laughs> doing. Yeah.
3: So sometimes I, I see comments, um, somebody will tell me, well, why did you pick the 78? It was Furniture Rose, this, that, or whatever. And, and, you know, actually, uh, Joe Garoni and I become friends in 2010, actually that same year. Yeah. Uh, we, we hung out quite a bit at the end of that year. And I actually tested one of their cars at Pike's peak way back then. And, wow. you know, I got to meet Barney and hang out with him and I didn't call Barney myself, but I, I talked to Joe a little bit and and um, i made it clear to nascar that if if barney ever wanted that number back it was his i just wanted to have the 78 if he wasn't here because that was the number i've had since i was two and a half years old so to answer your question i guess in that hour that my wife told me to look back and enjoy what we'd done and and where we were headed absolutely i was excited to see the 78 on my cup car for 2021.
0: that is awesome one more question for you bj before we get to our nascar news and notes Working with Matt Tift on this uh, race team here. Matt, you know, w- was in the Cup Series with JTG Daughtry for a period of time and also ran Xfinity, Xfinity Series races, ran at, you know, a high level. Uh, how did this come together with Matt? And I know that Matt probably wishes he, he was out there right now, but uh, tell us about working with him and what's he, what it's been like for him as just an owner, a partner with you in, in this uh, endeavor.
3: Well, it's, uh, you know, I guess how it come about, you know, he was, he was with several large teams in front row in the cup series right before his uh, seizure happened at, at Martinsville. And we, so Matt was my first super late model driver development driver in 2011. And uh, I've been friends with him and his family the whole time. We, uh, he actually drove for me in a super late in 2015 at Speed Weeks. You wow. know, it's like, so, I mean, he had drove for me as, as long as like, Superlates was what, five years, six years ago now. And, and, uh, he ran his first truck race with me at Martinsville and we took a truck with an old body and pro motor gave us an engine for that race. And I remember Matt passed the Turner truck with, uh, about <laughs> five laps to go for eighth place. Wow. He finished eighth in his truck series debut with my truck at Martinsville and Kyle Busch called him the next day. So, uh, you know, that, that whole time we stayed friends and, and, Matt got to go run with some teams that I've never been fortunate enough to work with and, and learn things that, you know, I haven't had the resources to learn and, and the backing to learn. And, you know, we have, Matt and I are going to be in business together, whether it's racing or real estate, it doesn't matter. So, you know, that, that we've always had this business, you know, since together. And that's, you know, that's been the last couple, three years, something like that. And we started kicking around this charter idea, like as a, as a, casual conversation at the start of a movie. Cause we always go, we go to the movies the night before the race. Um, he would have, you know, we'd be there on Friday. He'd be there for cup practice. I'd be there either for cup practice or, uh, you know, the Xfinity race the next day. And we'd always go to dinner, go, go to a movie somewhere, go to Dave and Buster's or whatever, you know, and, and hang out. And in one of these, one of these trips, we were like, you know what, we should buy a charter. <laughs> and, and it was just a conversation. Right. and, and, you know my wife been telling me for a while we needed to buy a charter like she she was on this earlier than us for sure but um you know i just didn't she's like i said earlier she's the one always pushing me and i was like we just got the three xfinity teams to where they're stable we have a good business model over here we're doing okay like i just want to chill for a second yeah you know? so uh, she, she's just putting those you know those little uh, hints in my ear and then you know Matt and I talked about it as much as it was roughly a year and a half two years ago from November so you know middle of 2019 we've had the first conversation and then uh, we both said we would do it right but there wasn't a plan and charters just aren't up for sale you don't just go grab one when you want it so you know when the coronavirus deal shut us down and we left left from Atlanta and didn't race and I was in the van on the way back, I remember it as clear as yesterday I uh, was sitting in the front seat just you know honestly half asleep and and I was thinking about I'm going to use this time to get a charter like I'm going to get prepared to to buy a cup charter during this time whatever it's a week or three months or four months or six we didn't know you know none of us knew it was very scary time and I was like this is what I'm going to work on so started putting you know feelers out there and and letting people know that we were interested and, and luckily enough, we got everything prepped. And then less than 45 days later, we had a chance to, to buy half a charter. So that's exactly how it went down and, and how we, we prepared for it. Amazing. That's awesome.
1: So that COVID, really COVID had something to do, driving, driving into van half asleep from Atlanta motor speedway back to Charlotte. That's, that's how it happened. That's when the, the actual motion got, got
3: put in to, to get it together. And, and when we made arrangements and put a business plan together, Matt and I did and, and Jessica and and we had this and I told Matt, I said, honestly, you know, this, but this could be five years from now. Okay. Like this was, this was April of 2020 and I was, you know, i told him, I said, we've got a plan. We know what we're going to try to do, you know, depending on the year, there might be some change in the numbers a little bit, but you know, this is, this is at least a five year possibility of before we even get one. So uh, we both left that meeting saying we're ready and, and when it happens, it happens. So I just started doing what I do and, and letting people know I was after one and, and um, you know, trying to, trying to make something happen. And like I said, within 45 days, we had an offer. And in that conversation, I said yes to everything. I didn't say, let me get back to you. I didn't say, let me think about it. I said, yes, they said my price. We said, yes, like it was just, just that quick. And after I said yes to everything, I called Matt and I was like, honestly, I was in a lounge. I remember I was in a lounge, one of my trailers at at a racetrack. And uh, I told Matt, I was like, I think we just bought a charter. And he's like, okay, cool. Just let me know.
2: <laughs> like,
3: he was all in, you know, like never man. once questioned anything.
2: He said, like, "Dude, funny, you man. got me.
3: Like we'll we'll do this right." So you know, then the real negotiation begins when you get home, right? Like it, uh, everything starts getting put on paper, and, and Matt and I were able to get that done with uh, you know Joe Falk and, and Go Fast, and and it all worked out, and we're uh, you know now we're sitting five races into twenty twenty
1: one. Man, That's that pro- that process went. Quick, but man, you were saying just a minute ago. Somebody said, "Let's chill." B.J. McLeod and Jessica, Mc- McLeod, chilled out doesn't go with these. This group, man. <laughs> That's the one thing you guys don't do, man. You guys make things happen. Quick, B.J. Unbelievable, man. So when y'all were talking about it at first, you thought maybe it might take four or five years. You didn't think it. would well, I mean,
3: you have to be realistic with the plan, right? Because you set numbers off of current programs and current cars and everything the way it is and and you look to the next year and and you have to do all that but then like I said you can't just walk up and buy one you know like it if there, there's 36 people in the garage that don't want to sell well they're not going to sell you know it's like or maybe 14 people own all the charters it's like right. there it, you may never have one for sale it could be it could be seven years before one sells sure. so I just figured in my mind within five years somebody would go to get out and we'd have at least a shot to go after it and you never know then if you're going to be the highest bidder or you know right. be the person they want to sell to so you know we were just extremely fortunate to to time things the way we did and be ready to to jump when we had the chance and and make it all happen because i can tell you looking back it's it's really crazy how we got our deal done and then you know within a month period you have michael jordan and and just you know it's it's just crazy that you know Denny and him and they announced their deal and you know then uh, Justin Marks comes in and Pitbull joins him and it's like you just have all this stuff going down and then you got me and Matt and we're we're definitely uh, not not Pitbull and not Michael Jordan and <laughs> not <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I'm that's great very thankful for the opportunity though Absolutely that is fantastic.
0: fantastic that's that's great uh bga we uh got a few more things before we get out of here wow. today we want to get to our nascar news and notes segment and uh dominic let's start out by looking back at the cup race at phoenix as uh it was martin truex getting back into victory lane the fourth different winner of the first four races of 2021
2: Actually, five for five, and I don't believe any of our guests. No, you're good, but I don't think any of us had picked Truex to win Phoenix. In fact, Martin Truex had never won a Cup Series race at Phoenix Raceway. He, Of the active drivers who were competing in the field Sunday in the Instacart 500, he had the most starts of anybody in the field to yet score a victory. Martin Truex snapped a 29-race winless streak to go for the first victory of 2021. Again, five different winners in five races. Michael McDowell, William Byron. Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, and now Martin Truex. It was his 28th career win in the NASCAR Cup Series. That ties him with 1960 Series champion Rex White and David, your buddy Carl Edwards, on the NASCAR Cup Series win list.
1: Absolutely, man. But, you know, I I, I just there's so many – you know, you're not surprised by Truex winning the race because there's so many guys that haven't won yet in 2021. I mean – Kevin Harvick, you know, on and on and on. So I, I really believe going to Atlanta, we're going to have a, 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 you know, I believe we're going to have another winner that, that's going to be, there are six different winner of the season. Could be BJ McLeod, who knows, you know what I mean? But, uh, but uh, but you know, not surprising to see Mark Truex in victory lane. And, uh, and and it's amazing that we've had five different winners in five different races, and, and, and I think – I I truly believe that we're gonna see another not a first time winner in the Cup Series, but a first time winner in two thousand and twenty one at Atlanta Motor Speedway.
2: And BJ, do you think there's a possibility we're gonna see potentially sixteen different cup series winners by the time the regular season ends?
3: It's uh definitely on track to do that. We uh <laughs> and I'm gonna go ahead and pick Kevin Harvick for Sunday because Atlanta's his home. That's that's his uh that's his house there. So I, um, you know, I, I look to see uh, maybe they'll get their their first one of the year. But, you know, it it's it's really awesome that we have that kind of competition in the Cup Series where we're having different winners every week, and you've got first-time winners and just you know just some crazy stuff going on this year. It's it's really the best year ever for the fans, and, and that gets me excited and, and makes me uh, really proud to be a part of the sport and just uh, looking forward to seeing what actually does happen here. And, and oh, let's not forget we got a, we got a dirt race in about <laughs> 13 days. So that's going to be exciting. Oh, oh yeah. You,
2: no doubt you, about it. That's a, that's a perfect segue to our, our next little news and notes here. Stuart Friesen was announced March 16th that he's going to be competing at the Bristol Dirt Race with Spire Motorsports in the 77 car. So that'll be his debut in the Cup Series. And, gosh, that race is just going to be so awesome. They've been promoting that now for, for a long time with Fox. And I know, Gosh, the first time since 1970 that we're going to see Cup cars on a points awarding race, and it's going to be at Bristol Motor Speedway.
0: BJ, let's start with you this time. What's your reaction to uh, Stuart getting the shot at Cup and at uh, that Bristol dirt race? Nothing but excited for him.
3: That's the that's the one thing I was hoping would happen with these uh, this dirt race is is to get some guys in there that can go up there and compete with you know Bush and Larson and and I think Briscoe is going to be one of the ones up front and just all your your Cup guys that are you know badass race car drivers that are going to be fast on dirt because they're fast than anything, right? Even though it's not what they do every week, they're gonna be good. So, you know, I'm looking forward to Stuart being up there. And I think, you know, he's got the experience. He's been in these big vehicles for a while. Um, you know, he's he's got the the attitude to be able to get up there and race with those guys and, and not be uh not be um you know, too cautious because it is a superstar right next to him. So, you know, they he's he's got it just got me excited when I seen that announcement today and and we've got a cool guy in our car that that's gonna be uh going to be fun to watch up there you know Shane's Shane's you know he's got a reputation for being smart but he's successful and and I um, am just hoping that we get him enough practice time and and uh, get him enough seat time in that heat race and the start of the start of the big race he can get used to that big car and and get get rolling because I you know that's as an owner you know we're bringing somebody that's excellent on dirt to a dirt race and and I think dirt's going to be kind of a equalizer for the equipment you know i don't think that you're not going to see your side skirt being off a quarter inch cost to three tenths a second you know it's like you're going to be missing a bumper and nobody's going to care like it's uh it's going to be a, an awesome race for leveling the equipment out and, and hopefully some of these drivers can take some of these cars that are you know maybe an underfunded budget but put it up there uh you know in that top 15 maybe maybe even top 10 and and you know you, you just you honestly never know because this race is going to be wild Like I, uh, I'm not going to put it, put it completely out that not one of these cars that runs 30th every week doesn't end up winning. So, you know, it's, it's something that, it's going to be awesome for all of us to get a chance to watch that. And I'm going to be there and, and try to learn as much as I can so I can do it next year. I just, for me, it was a big thing to, I wanted to, I wanted a dirt guy in our car to go there and, and try to, I'm, we're trying to win. I'm not going to lie. Like I, in my head, I want to go there and I want to outlast people and and us have a shot to win, but you know what, maybe we're 20th, maybe we're 25th, but you know that was that was the idea of of giving it a shot and and i knew i wasn't ready for that i don't have enough dirt knowledge to to even have a shot at that so you know we're looking forward to to our guy and 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 the in that weekend and seeing what happens
0: david what's your reaction to uh stewart getting a shot at a racing for spire at the uh, bristol dirt race
1: well man you know it's not it's uh, i think it's smart on spire's motors you know on, the, on their team's part to bring in a uh you know, like B.J. was saying, I mean, you talking about a guy that has a lot of experience on dirt. I mean, you know, he's up in those East Coast Modifies, Big Block Modifies, Small Block Modifies. I mean, you know, this guy's a champion on the dirt, and uh, I just think it makes really good sense. I I've just listened to B.J. talk. I was, uh, I was excited to, to – for BJ to run the Bristol dirt race on the cup side, because like BJ was saying, you know, if your if your side skirts, you know, a half inch high or three quarters of an inch high, it don't really matter because I believe the dirt race at Bristol is going to be like, like racing at Talladega and Daytona. It gives the guys that are 30th, 28th, 35th place cars an opportunity to to win a race. And, uh, you know, BJ's talking about that he has a, what's your driver's name, BJ?
3: Shane Delobick. He's, uh, been driving sprint cars he's one of the NOS drivers in sprint cars
1: okay see that's news to me but I I was excited to you know that's I'm learning this now but I was excited for BJ to be in the race because again you know because you can take a 30th place car a 28th place car and you might see a very underfunded cup car in victory lane at Bristol and uh And a lot of, uh, you know, I think there's uh, so much excitement. And uh, man, I can't wait to watch it on TV and uh, be pretty awesome to see that 78 go, you know, uh, live fast racing in Victory Lane, you know, for the first time with its own for its only sixth or seventh race of its since it was born. You know what I mean? So, uh, but I'm excited. And, uh, and I, I think that's smart, BJ, as a, as a team owner and as a businessman. I'm sad you're not going to be in the race, but definitely understandable on the business side of it. Bring in a a dirt, dirt ace to put in your car and uh, anything's possible.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Just, you know, it's, so these races, you know, you can't be missing one thing if you want a shot and no matter, let's say, honestly, I think dirt would fit my driving style very well. I think I would be pretty quick at it fairly fast, but, but it's just, I've never raced a super late on dirt. I've never raced to go-kart on dirt. I've never done nothing other than full wheelers. So it didn't make sense to come in at this level and try to try to learn all that in a, in a two or three week period. I just didn't want to do it, but I believe I am going to work hard over the next year. And hopefully I'll get the shot next year to, to see what I can do, but it's um, you know just excited because the the knowledge of dirt itself there's so much changing there's so much you have to know about the dampness of the track or you know just different things that that we all know from asphalt. We know things that move around, we know the tracks, we know they get tighter, freer, yeah. dew point, different things, but you know i don't have that knowledge of dirt, and this is something that these guys already have you know like they don't need to learn that all All this kid needs is a shot to to get used to a heavy race car. And he's got the racing sense. He's got everything else. He's got the dirt background. So we're excited to see what happens.
0: Very cool. Guys, uh, one more thing before we get out of here today. Time for our Ask David segment. We ask you to submit questions to us on Facebook and Twitter, at Star Podcast, by email. DavidStarPodcast at gmail.com is where you can find us there. And let's start out with an email. This comes from Cindy. Cindy writes, uh, David, have you filled out a March Madness bracket yet? And who do you think is going to win the uh, national championship?
1: <laughs> well, I, 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 really hadn't paid much attention to it, but I, I know there's our, our Texas, uh, our, our, uh, our university of Texas basketball team will be there competing. You know what I mean? So, uh, I know they won the the championship here last week and uh, or this past weekend. Big 12. They're headed to march back the Big 12. They won a Big 12 championship, so that was kind of cool. So uh, it's be kind of cool, you know, for a a team from the state where you uh, where you live that can compete at that level. And uh, hopefully, it you know it'll be exciting, no doubt about it. But I, I sure like to see the Longhorns up there in the Final Four, if if possible, you know.
0: Yeah, they got a really good team and Baylor is a one C as well. So uh, the state of Texas well represented. BJ, you uh you paying much attention to March Madness? You fill out a bracket, man? No, sir. I uh, I haven't ever watched
3: a college uh, basketball game start to finish in my life. I am, I'm actually I'm actually kind of a different human being. Like I'm one hundred percent in racing and and I love I love NFL. Like I like players. I'm not really uh a team supporter. I'm all about the players, the athletes I got a ton of respect for what they do. And, you know, and and the same with basketball, just in my head, I've always been focused on racing and there's been a little bit of time for football, but not much else. So I uh, I actually don't know anything about it, but I um, wish them all the best. And, you know, I definitely couldn't run back and forth on that basketball court for for, you know, an hour, hour and a half. <laughs> that, that's not me. I'm, I'm, I don't know if you've seen me in the garage or not, but I'm built to throw stuff. I'm not built to run. So all, all
0: the
2: all the, respect to them, you know? Absolutely. <laughs>
0: what about you, Dominic? Uh, you you going to be watching it all?
2: Well, I mean, my UNM Lobos, my alma mater, I don't even think they made the tournament this year. So I can't no, really – No, they score.
0: fired their coach and just hired exactly. – uh, They did announce a new coach Katina. earlier this
2: week. So I guess I'll just be casually watching, and I guess I'll be saying go team. Go <laughs> see, go sports, yeah. Go sports, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, one more question for you, for for you, David. Uh, this one comes on Twitter. Uh, this one comes from uh, Ray. Ray writes, David, what do you like to eat at the racetrack?
1: <laughs> well, you know, we were heard. We heard B.J. McLeod earlier talk about, you know, him and Matt Tiff. They like to go do go to movies the night before they race, or go to dinner one of the things over the years has kind of been my thing, you know what I mean? I, I love, you know, obviously got to have a water burger, I, you know, here lately last four or five years, you know, I, I go have me a number one, just a, a single hamburger with French fries and a Dr. Pepper, you know, but, uh, but before, before there was water burger on our race car, I, 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 I visit the olive garden a lot, man. I used to love going tonight night before with my crew chief and eating at the olive garden, you know? So, uh, you know, if it's not a Whataburger in town, you'll definitely find me at the local, at the local uh, Olive Garden, no doubt about it.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I went with David doing Olive Garden one time, and he ordered a uh, Dr. Pepper <laughs> ice cream float. I'll never let him live it down. It wasn't even on the menu. He just asked for it uh, to see if they could make it for him. BJ, what do you eat at the racetrack, man?
3: Well, I guess the day of it's always subway for me. Um the night before there is no telling. I eat everywhere, <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> like it just depends. Like, like we so you figure out when you travel forty weeks a year, you figure out restaurants in every town that you go to. So uh, you know, that's kind of the deal where uh, I I end up hitting those places when we're in different towns and different areas, but not uh, not one in particular, but the race day food's always subway for me.
2: Um, subway. Eat yeah, for us. That's right. And Tyler, I mean, real quick, you and I were always in the media center food. They always have a good spread of food. and You can always find us grabbing some coffee and grabbing some awesome meats before the race starts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 if, if I'm close to a water burger though, that's, it's hard to say no to. So either. I mean, not,
2: not to, to rub it in your face or anything, but that was the pre-race media media meal for me on Saturday. Oh, on Haverland at ESPN Albuquerque. We got a nice big juicy water burger right before the start of the race.
0: Oh, I'm jealous, man. That sounds so good right now. Before we go, we we heard from Pete from uh, from BJ earlier that he said he'd like Kevin Harvick to win on Sunday. The rest of us, let's go around the room. Dominic, give me one name. Who's going to win the uh, Cup race Sunday?
2: Man, am I allowed to piggyback off and take BJ's pick there? Yeah, as well? you can do that. Okay, all right. Yeah, then I'm going to say Kevin Harvick wins as well. I like his. Okay. support. Yeah,
0: I'll take I'll take Brad Kislowski. I think Kislowski gets into victory lane. Uh, I think he's he's due for something, and and, and he could have a very Good season this year. David, who do you, who do you like in the cup race Sunday?
1: Man, I'm going to have to triple piggy piggyback on that one, you know what I mean? Just like B.J. was talking earlier. I mean, Kevin Harvey, that's his house, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I've always watched him and study his line. And, uh, man, how he runs that track and what he's done over the years. I don't know how many wins he has, but there's there's a lot. It's hard to, to bet against Kevin Harvey, you know what I mean, because – He's got that place figured out. So I'm going to have to go with uh, Dominic and BJ on that. And I I believe we're going to see Harvard back in victory lane in 2021 in Atlanta. There you go. BJ, we appreciate you joining us, man.
0: You're welcome back anytime. Some terrific stories. Where can people follow you and find out what's going on with you and your team, man?
3: Well, just check out all our social media sites. And I really appreciate uh, you guys having me on tonight. It was a good surprise and and, uh, appreciate all the kind words from you guys and just um, looking forward to getting to Atlanta,
1: David. What's going on with you the next couple of days before you head to Atlanta, man? Oh man, I just uh, man doing a lot of work at my house. Got to run over to the race shop at our, our, our racing school race shop. Check in with my uncle Mike, and uh, I got I got a meeting on Thursday afternoon. So just just busy with stuff, you know. But looking forward to getting to Atlanta. And uh, hey, PJ, we want to thank you, man. It's pretty cool to to hear your insight i mean we we know you're a hell of a race car driver and you and your wife are just great nascar team owners and uh man we just man it's been awesome to hear the stories dude it's it's, uh pretty cool and uh it's an honor to have you on our podcast thank you for coming on
0: it means a
3: lot guys i really appreciate
1: that
0: awesome stuff uh dominic what's going on the racing experts this week
2: We'll continue to cover the sport and just all the headlines that are coming in and out in the daily news of NASCAR and the world of motorsports, as well as our giveaways. And by the way, as you all have been seeing, it's a new week, a new podcast, a new David Starr autographed giveaway. So be sure to be checking that out on social media. Be liking and retweeting. You could win one of four autographed David Starr photos. All you got to do is just answer.
0: I need a, an autographed David Starr photo. I might just have dinner myself. That does it for this week's edition of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Big thanks to, to uh, BJ McLeod for joining us on this week's show. As a reminder, as always, to subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. We certainly would appreciate that. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And you can also find us on social media, Facebook.com forward slash uh, David Star Podcast and uh, Star Podcast on Twitter. Email David at gmail.com. Also, uh, make sure to like our videos on YouTube. We certainly would appreciate that. That'll help uh, boost the algorithm and get us more views and such. So, not only just watch our stuff, but hit that like button if you would too. They'll certainly go a long way. We got to go. For David Starr, Dominic Oregon, and our guest PJ McLeod, I am Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. We'll put the checkered flag out on this one. We'll see you next week.